Well, good morning and happy new year. We're going to be tweaking this thing a little bit. It's been shortened out some, so we're going to see if we can get this thing working a little better. I hope everybody had a, a great Christmas and uh, a good new year. I'm looking forward to uh, what 2022 has in store for all of us through the church, through your homes and your work and all that stuff too. I, I, when I was at, uh, at Willowdale Baptist Church, which is where I, I grew up, uh, the preacher's wife always, every, every year at the beginning of the year, she always come up with a rhyme to go with the, the coming year. So that was back in the 90s. Um, and I got thinking about her the other day, sweet, it was Miss Janice, loved that woman to death, and uh, I got thinking, what would she say about 2022, and it come to me really fast, where well, there's more to do in 2022, and that's, that's the church, there's, there's so much more for the church to do in 2022, and, and I'm not talking about Chestnut, though. I'm talking about his church. There's a lot for us to do, every one of us, to uh, continue to get the gospel out, and that's kind of where we're going to go today for a little bit, is uh, we're going to look at John the Baptist. And, uh, and use him as a, as a guide, in a way, uh, of how we can do more for, for ourselves, for the church, for the church, for God in 2022. How he can use us uh, to, to, do, to do a lot of work here on, on earth. There's a, still a lot of work to, to, to do. We, we're, you know, as they, they always said over at Samaritan's Purse, we're his hands and feet, we're God's hands and feet here on earth, and I truly believe that. We are his hands and feet. And so there's things that we have to do to be used by God. There's things that we have to do to be used uh, in, in our businesses, you know, wherever we work, in schools. There's things that we have to do that we have to get out of our lives. And, and the, the verse that we're going to be in today is in John 3.30. Everybody knows the verse if you want to turn to it. But the verse plainly tells us that for Jesus to increase, we must decrease. And, and for us to increase in, in our work, we've got to decrease a lot of things in our lives. We've got to, we've got to learn how to, to move things around. It's kind of like, the, like a money market. You've got to learn how to move your money around. You've got to learn how to move the pieces around or scrabble or anything else. Like You've got to learn how to move the pieces around so that you can get ahead that's not in a bad way. I don't mean get ahead like making tons of money, but to be used and to be, um, I don't know what word to say, but to just to, to, to come out better in the end. And so the verse plainly tells us that we got to decrease so that he can increase. Now, how many of y'all, and, and be honest with me this morning, you can raise your hand, but I don't want to hear it. Lord knows I don't want to hear these. How many of y'all had a New Year's resolution? How many, anybody, nobody, y'all are smart people, don't do them. You will fail, I promise you're going to fail. So I, I love to, to do a little research on these. So that the top five for last year uh, was spend more time with family, get fit, lose weight, quit smoking, and enjoy life more. Enjoy life more. That's not a normal one. This was New Year's resolutions for folks coming in 2021 because we had came out of 2020. We had COVID we realized we wasn't enjoying life as much as we should. So that was the fifth one was enjoy life more. But for those who have a hard time keeping your resolution, here's some suggestions. If y'all want to write these down, read less, gain weight, stop exercising, watch more TV. This is my favorite one, procrastinate a little more. That's, that's for those of us that cannot stick with the New Year's resolution. I've tried that. I'm telling you, I think I've told you all this before. I tried to read through the Bible in a year. 
And when I hit Deuteronomy, I closed it. I got to the I got into the begats and all that stuff, and it it killed me. I'm gonna read you one more thing here. Y'all get a kick out of this. There was a woman who made a resolution every year about her weight. In 2010, she said, "I will get my weight down below 180 pounds." In 2011, she said, "I will follow my new diet until I get below 200 pounds." 2012, she said, "I'll develop a realistic attitude about my weight." In 2013, I will work out three days a week. 2014, I will work out twice a week. 2015, I will drive past the gym at least once a week. <laughs> so, so what's your New Year's resolution? Everybody's, we, we, we tend to think of something. You know, I didn't make one. I don't make one if I can help it. But I, I bought a guitar last year. Me and Paisley both got guitars. I keep, every time I come in here, I look at Morris and I think, I got to learn to play that thing. So I said, on January 1st, I'm going to pull up my little YouTube video and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to learn how to play. Not yesterday. It didn't happen yesterday, and I promise you it ain't going to happen today because I got diaper duty when I get home this evening, so I won't be strumming on no guitar. But we all have a resolution. What do we want to do better? I talked to the girls at work uh, last week, and we're going to meet tomorrow when we all finally get in the office together. we got to make a plan. We've got to have a game plan. What are we going to do in 2022? What are we going to do as a business to grow and to do things better. We, we have a resolution, but we don't stick to it. It's kind of like the fire department. It's the difference between the SOG and the SOP, a standard operating guideline and a standard operating procedure. Procedures are rigid. Guidelines are flexible. I'm all about me some guidelines because I like to bend a little bit. And that's kind of how we need to look at our New Year's resolutions. We need to be flexible with our resolutions. We might have a goal of 180 pounds by the end of the year, but if I hit 185, I'll be okay with that. Just so y'all know, <clears throat> I went to the doctor Thursday. They did not have to take my blood Thursday. My numbers have decreased amazingly, so I didn't have to give a pint. The problem is I hit an even 200 pounds for the first time in my life, and I have no clue where it's at. <laughs> my clothes still fits. I don't know where my weight got. I think I'm retaining water, just so you know, or lots of coffee, not water. But we have resolutions, and, and so we, with our resolutions in mind, we want them to be a little bit flexible, not so rigid. Well, here's a, here's a good one for you. Don't you think about for this year. How about becoming a new you in, in the new year? Just a new you. How about getting rid of the old you? How about getting away from the way that you used to be and becoming a, a new person? Bible tells us that when we're saved, we become a new creature. How long has it been since you've revisited that new creature that you have become? And you've got... I know over the years we've got a little carnal. We get a little worldly every now and then. We let a lot of things in the world come into our lives, and it can make us a bitter person, or it can make us a hateful person, or it can make us bitter towards one person or towards a church or towards a group of people or who, whatever. How long has it been since you've revisited that new creature that you become? Become the new you in the new year. Something to think about. Now, I'm not talking about losing weight. I'm not talking about changing your hairstyle. I did. I changed mine last year. That's not a 2022 thing. Not talking about changing your wardrobe out, anything like that. I'm talking about having a new perspective on life, having a different outlook on life, a different point of view on life, a different point of view on your Christian life, a different point of view on how you're going to live for Jesus in 2022 and, and further on, past 2022. How are you going to live in 2022 and beyond? Living for Jesus. Now, most of our resolutions focus on one thing, the betterment of yourself. How many times have you ever made a New Year's resolution saying, um, I'm going to do this for my spouse or for my family? 
Very few times has anybody ever made a resolution saying, I'm going to do this for my family. It's always, I'm going to do this for me. It's about me losing weight. It's about me looking better. It's about me getting fit. It's about me. Let's get past that today. The resolution this morning I want to talk about is becoming a new, a new you, and it's putting a focus on another person. Not you, but putting the focus on someone else. And we're going to use the example of John the Baptist this morning to do that, and he is an awesome example for that. If you've got your Bibles open, stand just a moment, stretch your legs. John 3.30. Everybody knows the verse. Y'all know it. The Bible says, He must increase, but I, but I must decrease. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we come to you, my prayer this morning is just that. Father, that I would decrease, that we would decrease so that you would increase in our lives, that you would increase in this church. Lord, that you're, you would increase your love and your, your knowledge and that wisdom. Lord, your, your mercy and grace would increase in our hearts and our bodies. All that would increase in this church. It would overflow into our homes. It would overflow into our community. And Lord, I pray that, that through uh, this coming year that we're into now, uh, Lord, that you would be glorified in everything that we do. Father, I pray that we would decrease. We would get rid of all that baggage, all that negative, all that sin, all that bad stuff that's in our lives. Father, we would get rid of all of that, decrease in that, so that we can increase in you, so that you can increase in our lives, in our hearts. And Father, I pray this morning that you would be with us to this message. Lord, I pray that it would touch someone. Lord, I pray that it would be a great reminder of how we need to get rid of the sin in our lives so that we can bring more of the peace, love, and joy into our lives. Lord, I pray today for those that are, are sick. Lord, I pray for, for VJ and for Jonathan as, as they both recover. Father, I pray that you just continue to uh, do a great work in their lives, be with their families as they take care of them as well. And Lord, for all those that we lost in 2021, fathers, as we kind of look back and we, we think and, and we ponder on where you was in our lives last year, Lord, you was close. You was right by our side. Lord, as we lost loved ones, as we lost fathers, as we lost mothers and, and, and siblings, Lord, as we lost community members, Lord, it's just a, it gives us such a great peace knowing that through such a tough time and such a tough year that you didn't stray far from us. Lord, you stayed right by our side, and you gave us the peace that we needed to get through those situations, and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us today as we continue through your message with your people. I listen in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. It's all about Jesus, and it's not about me. That's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. It's all about him and not about me. We like, we like to be the center of attention sometimes. We like for folks to see us. We like to be out front. But in this Christian life, we have to remember that it's all about him and not about me. It's all about my Jesus and not about me. We have to decrease so that he can increase. We've got to get rid of all the bad stuff in our lives so that all the good stuff that he brings with him will have room in our hearts. The resolution is about lifting up the name of Jesus, making him visible, and it's about making him prominent. Now, that's a word I want to use several times today, prominent. And I'll define that for you. Prominent means important. And I'm gonna, again, I'll use it a lot today because that's what he is. I don't know if we've ever used the word prominent for Jesus, but that's what he is. He's a pretty important feller. 
Jesus is a pretty important person in my life. He's a pretty important person in your life. Jesus is, an, is a prominent person in everyone's life, whether they know it or not. He's an important aspect of every single person's life. Because of who he is and what he has done for us, he's prominent. Now, many sermons have been preached about this verse that we just read. Many sermons have been preached about it. How we have to decrease so that he can increase. But I want to put a different spin on this verse because of the fact that John's life was all about pointing everyone to Jesus. That was John's life. Pointing them to Jesus. And I can't help. Man, Keith was talking about this this morning. You think uh, Simeon got to hold John? You ever think about that? I mean, John's this, this grandpa up in the temple. That's the way I look at John. Just a, or I'm sorry, uh, Simeon. Just a, this just nice little old man that's at the temple all the time. Everybody knows Simeon. But do you think he got to hold John too? That has nothing to do with this message, but I just, I just Keith makes my wheels turn a lot. It was about making Jesus prominent. That's, that was John's call. That was his calling. It was about letting everyone know about the coming Messiah. It was about everyone knowing who Jesus was, who he is, and what he was going to do. It was about making sure that everybody knew Jesus was important. That was John's call. And we're going to have four ways this morning to, to, for Jesus to increase while we decrease. The first thing we're going to look at is we have to adopt God's purpose for our lives. He's got a purpose for our lives. I know I say it a lot up here, and I'll not, I'll not regret it, and I'll not stop saying it. He has a purpose. He has a plan for our lives. We may not know it now. It might take a little bit longer, but there is a purpose. There is a plan. But it starts with a personal commitment. That's the one thing that we don't do. We don't have that personal commitment. That's kind of like a New Year's resolution. You know, that's a commitment. That's a personal commitment for yourself. I will lose weight. I will work out. I will drink however many gallons of water. Maria keeps telling me I'm supposed to be drinking a day, but I'm not drinking a day. It's a personal commitment. We've got to be committed to this call that he has put on us. We have to be committed to these New Year's resolutions that we make. We've got to be committed. We say things in our minds like, God, more than anything else, I, I want to be I want to live my life in your will. That's what we say. And I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be who you want me to be. I will go and do, Lord God, here I am, send me. That's the way we, in our minds, that's what we're thinking. But we won't let our heart say it because we're afraid of stepping outside the box. We're afraid of getting outside the four walls. We have no commitment. There's no personal commitment between us and God. So in our minds, we keep thinking it, but in our hearts, we don't want it to, to, to leak out because we're afraid. We're afraid of what might happen or where we may be uh, sent and might be going. But it starts with that personal, that complete commitment. Romans 6, 13 says, but yield yourselves unto God. Yield, give yourself, but give yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. When you adopt God's purpose in your life, your values and your priorities are going to change. They're going to switch. I promise you, when you make Jesus prominent, make him important in your life, your priorities will change. Now, it may be quick. It may take a little bit of time. But your priorities and your values are going to change. Instead of becoming selfish, 
you're going, you're going to become selfless. You'll be more like Jesus. That's who he was, selfless. Instead of focusing on yourself, we're going to focus on God. Instead of it being the me church or all about me or being self-centered, it'll be about God. This is his church. This is what he has in store for us. So we'll be focusing on his will and what he has, in pla has planned for us. God has put us here on earth for a purpose, every one of us. Whether it's to preach, teach, sing, whatever it might be, we have a purpose. Nats is to look good. That was, that's the only thing I can come up with is Nat was put on this earth just to look good. And that's it. And you're killing it, man. You have nailed it. <laughs> this is what God wants to accomplish on earth in order to fulfill his will in our lives. He wants to use us. He has something for us to do. Grab a hold of the plow and take off. I don't care where you go, but get a hold of it. Get a hold of God and take off. He's got a plan for you. And whatever you do, as long as you're following his will, I promise you it's going to please him. And it's going to please you. God has a specific purpose for each one of us. I want you to think about Billy Graham for a second. Billy Graham. God had a specific purpose for Billy Graham. And that was to do evangelical crusades. That was God's plan for Billy Graham. He, he would tell you that. I think we all know that. And I want you to think back. I like these the old timers. Everybody knows who Corey Ten Boom is. Think about that woman. God had a specific purpose for that woman's life. Her purpose. Protect the Jews. She was a witness to them, but her and her family was to protect the Jews. To be a witness. That was God's plan for her. God's specific purpose for John the Baptist was this. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. That's, that's what God told him to do. Prepare the way. Blaze a trail. Cut down the thorns. Whatever you got to do, prepare the way for my son. Because he's coming. He's six months behind you. <laughs> that's the way I look at it. He's right behind you. Prepare the way. When John was born, his, his father, Zechariah, said this over in Luke 1. He said, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. How did he prepare the way for Jesus? Man, I want you to think about what John had to do to prepare the way. He, John, he had a clean slate. John, now remember we talked about this. God hadn't spoken for a long time prior to Jesus coming and John coming. And so he, he had kind of a clean slate to work with. And so he had to, but he still had, a, it wasn't, I ain't going to say that it was smooth sailing by no means, but he had a lot of work to do. God told him to go in and around Jordan to declare that the Messiah was coming. In and around Jordan. In and around Jordan. That's not Israel. He's not talking about the river either. He said, you've got to go down. And you've got to preach. And you've got to make the way. There's some great things going to happen in this area right here. Until, and up until John died, he never wavered in his calling. The same... I think of John as just like any other preacher. Preachers don't retire. They, they might not preach every Sunday. They might not pastor church. But that calling is on them till the day they die. John didn't just quit once Jesus was baptized. He just kept on going. Until he died, until John died, he kept preaching. 
He kept making a way. He, he just partnered with Jesus then and just started making more ways and started being a, another witness for Jesus and helping others get to heaven, get to salvation. That's what he did. He preached because he knew that was his calling, and that was his calling from God. That wasn't his calling from Zechariah. That wasn't his calling from Elizabeth. That was his calling from God. My dad didn't call me to be a preacher. My mama didn't call me to be a preacher. If it would have been mom and dad's will, I'd be cutting meat. That's what they wanted. That's what my dad wanted. Wants, probably. He don't get it. But that's, I mean, as parents, we have our ideas for our children, what we would like for them to do. Or do you think? Zechariah and Elizabeth, that, that that's what they had planned for their child? To be the forerunner for Jesus? To be the forerunner for the Messiah? To go blaze a trail? To make a way for the Messiah? That's, that was the furthest thing from their minds until they are spoken to. And then they supported it. As any good parent would, they supported it. My parents support what I do. They support my calling. It's been tough. There's things that we miss. There's... there's Events I can't go to or things I can't go to because I'll be studying and getting ready. But they understand. They understand that. They support this calling that I have from God. Now, something that made John uh, fulfill God's purpose was, was this one little thing. And it's called focus. John was focused on God. If you want to fulfill your purpose, God's purpose in your life, you've got to be focused on it. You've got you to gotta, you gotta be looking at what he has in store for you. You've got to be uh, tuned in, toned down, whatever you want to call it, into what he has in store for you. He kept his eyes on God through, throughout his life. And we're going to look at a little bit more about his life here in a minute. But I just want you to, to know that throughout your entire life, you have to stay focused. It's so easy to chase squirrels. It's so easy to get something shiny over in the corner and pull your eye off of what God has in store for you. But you got to stay focused. Don't let the worldly things get in your way. Some folks have started off good, but they didn't finish good because they lack focus. Whenever, I don't do this. The only reason I'd run is if a bear's chasing me. But those runners, you know, they run around that track. Very seldom do they ever look back. If they look back over their shoulders, they lose their speed. What are they looking at? They're looking straight ahead. They're looking forward. They're looking for that finish line. The Bible tells us who the author and the finisher is for us, and that is God. So keep our eyes on God. Keep focused on what he has for us. So what does God want you to do? What does God want you to do? What's he called you to do? Couldn't tell you. Why don't you ask him? Ask him sometime. See what he says. Number two, we have to get rid of any excess in our lives. Y'all ever had any excess? You ever had any, any extra baggage in your lives? You ever had any, anything you just need to get rid of? We've got, we got to do that. Get rid of it. John lived a very simple life. Luke one eighty says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Matthew 3, 4 says, And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. He lived a simple life. The man didn't go out and, and eat fine meal. Actually, 
I'm glad I said that. I brought this just for y'all today. This is what he was eating on. This, what, that verse right there where it says, his meat was locust and wild honey. This is called carob. This is the wild honey. This is not the bee honey that you're thinking. This right here is what he was eating on. If y'all want to break that open and try it, you can. But get you a glass of water before you eat it. It is bitter. There's a certain time of year that you eat that. It's not a bean. That, that's not a bean. But that's what he was eating on. He's probably a little skinny feller. He, he reminds me of, when I think about John out in, out in the desert and while he's out there getting ready, I think of uh, Tom Hanks and, and Castaway. That's what I think of. Just this little scrawny feller with a big old beard. Because he ain't been able to eat much. He don't, he's not in it for the food. He's not in it for recognition. He's not in it for anything but God. And so his focus was, let me have just enough water. Let me have just enough substance to keep me alive and give me the strength to keep preaching. That was what was in John's mind. I don't need to run to McDonald's and get a Happy Meal or go get me a Big Mac from wherever. That's not his thinking. He's like, give me just enough to get by. Because i got a lot of time that I've got to spend preparing the way for Jesus. John's way of life doesn't mean that he was a hermit, though. He chose this lifestyle. He chose it. He shunned comforts and luxuries because he knew what his purpose was. He could have had a nice place. He could have ate well, but he didn't want to because he knew what his call was. His parents told him about it. So when he came of age, he, he pursued this, this calling single-mindedly he just went in knowing what his call was what he had to do and so he focused on that he left and he went to the desert to be trained by God folks that's a smart man now you ask any preacher how easy it is to study in their home and then you ask him how easy it is to study in their study in their man cave what are you going to call it their office when I first started preaching, I didn't have an office. I didn't have a study. And so I would sit in our bedroom with commentary spread out all over the bed and floor and everything else to study. But we had a five-year-old and a newborn. Guess how much studying I got to do? Very little. So I decided to pray about it, and the Lord allowed us to buy a building, and I turned it into my study. Things have gotten a lot better since then because I can put a lock on that door <laughs> and keep them out. What I'm saying is John went to the wilderness to be with God so that he could talk to God. He could have a connection with God without distractions. It's those distractions when you're studying. That's not a distraction. That was really bad timing on her part. <laughs> it's fine. I love it. Love having him here. John didn't want to be distracted. He didn't want worldly things in his way. He didn't want those temptations uh, of the world to come in while he's trying to focus on growing in the Spirit. He didn't want that. And so he went to the desert. Now, God's got a calling for y'all. I don't know what it is. Did y'all go out to the desert when y'all was in Las Vegas? Would y'all want to go back to that desert if God called you into the ministry and walk around in the desert? And eat locust and sour things? Okay. No. Y'all can't see it, but they said no. 
No. But we do have to be careful with distractions. God has a calling for us. Don't let the world distract you. You may be thinking, I, I want to be trained by God too. How can I do it? How can I be trained by God? Get rid of those distractions. I'm not telling you to go into the wilderness and start eating on locusts and honey. Here's what I want you to know. It just takes a conscious effort to get rid of those excess, the excess baggage in our lives. You really got to think, what is weighing me down? Lord, will you show me what it is in my life that's hindering me from fulfilling your will? What is it? For those of y'all that's ever traveled by plane, and you've had to take a bag with you, a check bag, you're only allowed 50 pounds. That's it. Anything over 50 pounds, you're going to pay excess baggage fee. Or, or, you throw it away. You open it up and you figure out what you don't need and you get rid of it. Either way, it hurts. Because most of the time it's like underwear, things like that. <laughs> so you're getting rid of anything that's heavy that, to get you down to that 50-pound mark. You've got to get rid of that excess baggage so that you can move on. That's the same with the Christian life. You've got to get rid of that excess baggage so that you can move on into God's will. Move further and deeper into His will for you. Get rid of that excess luggage. A few extra pounds will weigh you down, I'm telling you. Aside from the fact that that excess baggage weighs you down, it hinders your progress. It's, it does. It slows you down. Excess baggage, I don't, if y'all have ever flown before, you see people that have checked, tried to check their bag in, and they've weighed it, and it's like... 54 pounds and so they pull it off the scale and they run over to the side over to the corner and they open it up and they're flinging clothes out everywhere and they're trying to loosen it up it's hindering them it's 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 hindering progress they can't proceed through security and onto the plane it's hindering progress when we have excess luggage excess luggage we have excess excess baggage in our lives it hinders our progress with god we can't move forward with him it, and it blocks the fact that Jesus is in our lives. People can't see it because we're over in the corner trying to get rid of it, trying to get rid of the excess baggage. We're over and, and nobody can see us. They can't see Jesus in us because we're over trying to get rid of all this baggage. We have this excess when people don't really see the true us and Jesus. Well, how do you get rid of all this baggage? How do you get rid of these things in our lives? Or what are these things in our lives that we need to get rid of? Actually, there's a lot of things in our lives that we need to get rid of. The first thing we've got to get rid of is material things. Yes, material things. We want to have the latest thing in the world. We're coming off Christmas right now, so everybody knows what I'm talking about. We need, we've seen the newest and, and latest whatever it is, and we'll make any excuse in the world to get that thing. I've got a coupon. It's on sale. The other one I have is about too small, about too small. We have these things in our minds that we really want. So we're going to make excuses so that we can get this thing, this materialistic thing, and we get home and then we realize we've got two of the same things. We've got multiple items in our lives. We, now, now what are we going to do with these two things? Matthew six nineteen says, Lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up yourself, for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor dust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through to steal. Don't hoard up the materialistic things. Don't, don't hoard up materials, don't, these nice things. Don't make excuses for nice things. 
You might need things, but don't be hoarding up the things that you want just because it's on sale or you got a coupon, whatever it is. Second thing, we have guilt and frustrations. That's, that's some excess baggage right there. Guilt and frustration. Do you sometimes regret, sometimes regret something that you've done in the past? You ever just stopped and just said, man, I, I wish I never did that. I think we've all got regrets about things. Do you wish something had happened in the past, though? Do you have regrets about what you did, but then you wish something had have happened in the past? If you regret something, that's guilt. If you wish something had happened, that's frustration. And we can't have those two things in our lives. If you experience these things, then it's going to hinder your progress. If you're experiencing guilt and frustration, you can't grow. I've said it before, sin-filled heart will hinder your worship. Those things can be sinful in your hearts, and it's going to stop you from worshiping. That added weight of guilt and frustration in your mind is going to prevent you from enjoying uh, life. It's going to prevent you from moving forward. Over in Philippians 3.13, Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Third, we have sin. We've got to get rid of the sin. That's a shocker, ain't it? We've got to get rid of the sin in our lives. You can't grow with sin in your lives. That's the heaviest baggage of all. The Holy Spirit can never work completely in your life if your life is eat up with sin, if you're harboring sin. And there's a whole slew of sins I could be listing right now, but y'all know, y'all know what they are. Harboring up sin will hinder your worship. Harboring sin will prevent you from going forward. forward. The bad news, I guess I, I better go ahead and break it to you. Everybody grab a hold of something. We're all sinners. Sorry. I, I know some of y'all might think that you're as close to perfect as. If VJ is here, I could eat him up right now. But Judy and VJ, I hope you're listening. We all think we're, we're pretty close to perfect, but we're not. We're just sinners. We're just old sinners. But here's the good news. God loves you. God loves you, and he'll forgive you. God loves you, and he'll save you if you need saving. But God loves you. That's the good news. As you remove this excess in your life, more of Jesus comes in. You push out the bad, and the good's going to come right in behind it and fill in. Fill in those voids. And if you want to make Jesus prominent, important in your life, this is what the Bible says over in Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight... And the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, third thing, we have to tell others about Jesus. I can't preach that enough. No preacher can preach that enough. We have to. That is, that is that's our job as a Christian, is to tell others about Jesus. Nothing can make Jesus more important, more prominent in your life than telling others about him. If you had the cure for cancer, would you just sit on it and not tell a soul? No, you tell everybody. Well, if you've got a way for folks to not go to hell and to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, then we're to tell people about it. We're to tell the world about it. Don't sit on it. 
Your life should be a living testimony that you are his disciple. No one ever gets to know the real Jesus just by looking at you. Now, I've always said that you might be the only Bible someone gets to read. And, and, and again, and Keith was talking about that this morning. You know, the actions. People see you. They might not hear you, but they see you. They see how you act, what you say, what you do. They see it. But we still need to tell them about it. People know you're a Christian. How do they know you're a Christian? Number one, you've got the fish sticker on the back of your car and you're a bad driver. You know those go together, right? If you have the fish sticker on the back, you're automatically a bad driver. So we got Maria's car a couple months ago, and the guy that we bought it from, the dealer, had put his dealer logo right in a certain spot that didn't look right to me. So, of course, the first thing I always do when we get a car is peel the dealer sticker off. I peeled that sticker off, and the fish was on there. It evidently had fell off, had dry rotted, because it hadn't been drove in five years. But I thought about that. What does that mean? People see that. What, what do you know if somebody says, what's that fish mean? I'm a Christian. No, really, what does the fish mean? Why, do, why is that, they call it the Jesus fish. What does the Jesus fish mean? Can you tell them what that means? I'll tell you what it means. Yeah, it means you're a Christian. But if you take that way back, that's how, that was life or death. If you walked up to somebody and you're talking to them and you took your toe and you kind of drew a little half circle while you're talking and that person took their toe and they finished that thing off and made a fish out of it, they were a Christian. That's how they knew it. That looks nothing like what I should have looked. I didn't know I was going to make a mark in the carpet. That's not a fish, by the way. But that's, that was life or death. If they didn't complete that fish, you didn't talk about Jesus. If they completed that fish, you had fellowship. That's what it means. But it was Greek also. It's got a, a ichthyus. And if you break down the letters of ichthyus in Greek, it stands for Jesus Christ, God's Son, and Savior. That's what those letters stand for. Jesus Christ, God's Son, is Savior. Ichthyus. But unless you tell them what that means, they'll never know who Jesus is. So tell them, be proud of that sticker. Don't be bad drivers. I don't put a fish sticker on my truck, just so y'all know. Because I'm already a bad driver, and I just, it's like, I don't want to put one of those bumper stickers that says, follow me to church. I go to Chestnut Dale Baptist Church. There'd be riots out here in the parking lot, people trying to get to me. <laughs> people, they're going to know you're a Christian because you carry your Bible around with you. Grab that Bible up and you take it to the doctor's office and you're sitting there reading. I was at the cancer center Thursday and I, I just I love to look around at them guys. It breaks my heart to go in there. But I, I came in, checked in, I sat down, and this little old man came in and he he talked to the lady and checked in and he he went to the closest chair possible so he didn't have to walk very far. And he sat there and everybody else sitting there on their phones and I'm sitting there watching I, I like the people watch and I'm sitting there watching everybody. And this little man sits there for a minute, twiddles his thumbs. And he looks over to the corner, and he sees the Bible, little Gideon Bible right there in the corner. And he picks it up and starts reading. That made my day. Tickled me to death. And I thought, while well, watching him, if people see him reading that Bible, what are they, what's he going to tell them when they say, why are you reading that Bible? What, what's in that Bible for you? The same thing that's in that Bible for me. Jesus. We've got to be able to tell people why we carry that Bible, why we read that Bible. What is in that Bible? 
We got to open it up and we got to we got to tell people about it. One of my favorite verses is uh, Romans ten fourteen. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We're all called to preach the gospel. Now you might all be called to pastor, but we can all preach. We can all preach. We can all tell people about Jesus. Evangelical, whatever you want to call it, I just call it preaching. Tell them about it. Discipleship, whatever you want to call it. We can all preach, tell people about Jesus. The purpose of telling others about him, though, is so they can be saved. And that's what John did before Jesus came on scene. He's telling others. Matthew 3, 2 says, And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. By saying that, he believed Jesus would show himself at any time. And it goes into Matthew 3, 11. He says, And that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John believed that Jesus was coming soon and he would come with judgment. Folks, we got the same message John is preaching right now. We need to be preaching the same thing John preached. Repent. Repent. That's it. That's what God told Jonah to do. Just go preach repentance. John, Jonah, Chad, Morris, Conley, all of us, the same thing. Just preach repentance. Jesus is coming. The time is at hand. Go preach repentance. Tell the world Jesus is coming. Tell the world judgment is coming. And it's coming. We're all going to get it. We've got to warn others. The fourth thing, last thing, and I'll hush. We have to completely surrender our lives to Jesus. Completely. Not just surrender our lives to Jesus. That's easy to say. What have I told you all about that song, I Surrender All? Biggest lie ever sung in church. I surrender all. We have to completely surrender ourselves to God. Just like John did. John knew exactly what his role was. In God's scheme of things. He knew that role. He knew that he was the forerunner. He knew he had to prepare the way for the Messiah. He knew. And so he was totally committed to Jesus and to God. God had anointed him, given him power, much power and authority. He was anointed. This is the reason he could boldly preach the good news. Being anointed sure does help. And... Being anointed and being called by God the way that John was, he was able to see people saved. He was able to go preach the gospel, see salvation in others, and baptize them because he was completely surrendered to God and what he had for him. Now, this is the reason he could boldly preach it, but we're going to look at something else. He was humble. He was humble. He was a humble preacher. There ain't many of those left anymore. And I got to think about Quincy Norris and uh, Harold Danner and some of these old-timers that I grew up listening to. And they, they're gone. And there ain't many behind them. There ain't many to fill their shoes. There's not many humble like these men of God were, like John was. He was humble. He could ask. He could have. You know what? John was out there preaching. And he could have said, by the way, here's the offering plate. By the way, here's that trumpet we talked about. Remember when you were talking to the widow's mite about pitching the mite and the trumpet and the sound it makes? 
here's my offering plate, here's a hat, here's a basket. Do y'all mind take up a love offering for me before we leave? He could have said that, but he didn't. God provided for him. God took care of him. He could have easily filled his pockets with money, and he could have went and bought these nice silk gowns or whatever they wore back then. You know, the preachers nowadays wearing those nice fancy suits, pretty shiny suits. I'm going to get a hold of some of Dole Lawson's jackets one day and shiny Porter Wagner. <laughs> some of y'all know who Porter Wagner was before you knew who Dole Lawson was. <laughs> That's sad. He could have wore something other than camel wool, but he didn't. He could have had nice meals, but he didn't. He could have had a nice house in the city, but he didn't because he was completely committed to God. He, was, he had surrendered all to God, and God blessed him for that. He remained humble even in the midst of great success. He didn't let it get to his head. He didn't let his successful ministry get to his head, and it could have. You've, we've all seen it. It's happened right here in Avery County not too long ago. We have seen successful ministry go to preachers' heads, and we will watch the downfall eventually. You cannot do that. You cannot allow successful ministry to get out of hand. God will not bless that. He was totally surrendered to Jesus, and it was evident. Over in Luke 3.16, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, that latcheth of the shoes, of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost with fire. Just like washing the feet of someone, untying the sandals of this person right here was a servant's job. Servants dealt with the feet. Servants washed the feet. Servants untied their sandals or unlatched their shoes, whatever you want to call it. That was a servant's job. John was so humble, he said, I'm below the servant. I'm below the servant. Mm. He had totally given up his rights in order for Jesus to become prominent in his life, for Jesus to be important in his life. He had given, he gave up everything. Again, we've got to be a lot more like John when it comes to our lives. Surrendering, it's not easy because it means giving up a lot of rights. It means ha- not having control of your life anymore. And that's why when we sing that I surrender all, we can't do it. We don't like giving our rights up. We don't like not having complete control of our own life. We don't like that. We don't like somebody else being in control of our lives. John said, I surrender all. John's probably one of the few people that could probably sing that song, I surrender all, and mean it. I surrender all. Bible says that, that we're all sinners. I told you that. Bust your bubble a while ago. And we're in need of a Savior. John knew we were sinners and in need of a Savior. So he blazed a trail for that Savior. Preached the gospel. Preached Jesus. Preached this Messiah. Seen people saved. Baptized. Met him in heaven later on. But John knew there was work to be done. John knew he had a calling. It says, you enter the new year, will you make a resolution that Jesus will increase and that you will decrease? I thought about this last night. I don't know 
It's almost like preaching a charge to the church right now. First Sunday back, this is my charge to you. Can you decrease so he can increase? That's a challenge, folks. That's what a charge is. It's a challenge. I challenge you to decrease so he can increase. I challenge you to get rid of the worldly things so that he can grow in your life. That's my challenge to you. That's tough, I know. But that's a challenge. That's, that's why they call it a challenge. It's tough to do. Make Jesus prominent in your life. Make Jesus important in your life. I know we, we get saved. We talk about how, how important he is to us and how he's my, my all and my savior and all this. And, and you're right, he is. Let's go back to that. Let's go back to that feeling that you had when you were saved. That was a great feeling. What, do you remember that? Y'all, and y'all remember when you got saved? Remember that feeling you got? Jesus is my all. I'm a new creature. I'm a, I, I'm a new person right now. God, that new Christian smell kind of wore off, didn't it? Let's go back to the way it was when you was first saved. That same attitude you had when you was saved. But you'll have to decrease so that he can increase. Stand with me. We're going to close out. Preacher's a little long-winded today. I do, I, I know I said it earlier and I'll say it again, I know there's big things coming for us. For this church, I think there's good things coming to the church. And I'm looking forward to what we got going on this year. Let's go into it open-minded. And let's go into it as, let's lock arms and go into it together. It's not about any one of us. It's about Him. Whatever we do, it's about Him. So let's, let's see how He can grow us in 2022. Let's pray. Father, I want to come to you t- this evening. And God, we just want to thank you again for that love and mercy that you showed us in 2021. Lord, we just thank you for that protective hand. We seen a lot of sickness and illness and uh, Lord, we just seen a lot of struggles and turmoil here in each in the lives of so many here in the church and father we just thank you for being there god i thank you for those people that needed you the most for decreasing themselves so that you could increase in their lives and lord as i said it seems like a challenge or a charge to each one of us today what a charge to decrease ourselves so that you can grow in our lives, so that you, you can increase yourself, so we can give the Holy Spirit more room to, to roam in our hearts, more room to grow in our hearts, more room to work in our hearts. Lord, I pray each one of us would do just that, just decrease today. Lord, I pray we'd just walk out of this church feeling decreased. We're going to leave it all here at the altar for you. We're going to leave it in this church for you. We're going to decrease and leave it laying here for you. and walk out this door allow you to increase in our lives. <clears throat> and Father, I pray that you be with us as we leave here. Keep us safe in our travels. And God, I pray that you just continue to grow in the hearts of those that are here. Just bless each one. I, I can't thank you enough for placing them here in this church and for the love that we have amongst each other. And Lord, I pray that you just continue to honor that and bless us for that. We love you and we praise you today. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. <laughs>